Hello and welcome to the Virginia Solar Summit live stream and podcast. I'm your host, Dan French. Thanks for listening. The Virginia Solar Summit live stream and podcast is recorded before a live participatory audience. Plug into the Renaissance, connect with pros, and participate in the next episode live on our website at virginiasolarsummit.com slash livestream. The Virginia Solar Summit live stream is brought to you by Dominion Energy, leveraging innovation for a clean energy future. Hashtag actions speak louder. Learn more at dominionenergy.com, as well as Mission Disposal, the essential site services company specializing in day-to-day supply and sanitation needs during solar and commercial construction. Learn more at missiondisposal.com. On today's episode, Judy Dunscombe from The Nature Conservancy. We're going back to the last Virginia Solar Summit for featured remarks, brief, powerful, and illuminating on one of the most important questions facing the renewable energy renaissance going forward. Do we have the land that we need for the renewable energy renaissance, and can we balance the need for solar construction with environmental conservation? The Nature Conservancy has done its homework, and Judy brings the math. You can find her dynamite presentation on our YouTube channel, but her message and mathematics come through loud and clear in the podcast. Let's drop into the last Virginia Solar Summit now with me bridging to Judy's remarks from a larger conversation about the Industrial Revolution, land use, redevelopment, and more. Uh, everything that gets involved when we're talking about reusing some of our legacy sites that have uh, very unconveniently piled up over the last four or 500 years of industrial revolution. But we're ready for a new energy renaissance. It's a land boom. And I'm so thrilled to see the progress that Virginia has made, taking bold steps, experimenting. Uh, there's legislation, as you may know, on the governor's desk right now, HB 1925, that will, will really be a leader and, and probably uh, paint a very bright pathway for other states to follow uh, in, in brighter footsteps. Speaking of leading the way, uh, we have a very important, uh, it's, it's uh, not just uh, big government or big states or uh, big corporations. We have truly everyone engaged uh, in the nonprofit sphere, institutions, um, where a lot of this work has already been done. They, we, you know, the revolution's already been kind of fought and won. And uh, you've been hear, hearing me talk about the end of the beginning and taking the next steps. And I want to introduce now uh, Ms. Judy Dunscombe. She's a senior conservation scientist with the Nature Conservancy in Virginia, who, uh, if you don't know who they are, you should definitely Google them because uh, they're doing all kinds of interesting stuff and they have a huge stable of stars over there doing solar and everything else. And Ms. Dunscombe has herself 28 years of conservation experience, including landscape scale conservation management, rare species conservation, natural areas management. She's a credentialed type two prescription burn boss and she's an experienced facilitator all around. She's, she's a true star. Uh, we need more people like her. Uh, Judy, come into the conversation. I hope you can hear me loud and clear. I can see you perfectly. We've got your presentation queued up. How's your sound? Hopefully my sound is good. What does it sound like to you? It sounds great. Uh, thanks for joining us today. And uh, as as a, a, a carbon-based life form on this planet, I'd like to say thank you for the work that you've done. <laughs> and uh, and we're thrilled to, to see everything that, that you've managed to achieve thus far. Well, thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for that great introduction kind of hard to read the room in this format. So I hope I am able to hold on to some of the energy you just created, uh, Dan. But I'm really glad to be here today to talk about a project that the Nature Conservancy is working on um, to really help found a collaboration to achieve what we think are shared goals around renewable energy development 
and conservation of, of critical lands. And um, the first thing I need to do before I get started is to thank uh, a couple of my colleagues. Uh, Nina Copeland is our solar siting project coordinator. She's done a lot of the GIS analysis for this project. Um, so the nice maps you're gonna see today are hers. Also my colleague, Chris Bruce, um, important source of, of data and general GIS guru. And then also thanks to the Virginia Environmental Endowment that um, has funded this project and is funding uh, Nina's position with us. So here's what you can expect to hear over the next um, 11 minutes or so. Uh, so why did we, we have project objectives? Why did we do this? Um, we're gonna share out with you a simple model that we created to try to illustrate the opportunities for development of solar energy and conservation of natural resources as a shared goal. Um, and then we're gonna talk a little bit about um, a good site. Um, we're talking about a place that we own um, and manage in Southwest Virginia and how we are working to site solar on it and um, lessons that we're hoping to learn and share from that. And then a couple conclusions and where we're hoping to go from here. Hopefully that sounds good. So why did we do this? Well, the Nature Conservancy is a conservation organization. Our mission is to conserve the lands and waters upon which all life depends. So not surprisingly, um, we care a lot about conservation. Um, we also care a lot about renewable energy development and we really wanna see renewable energy deployed quickly. Um, and we also really want to make sure it's in the right places. So one thing that all of my work um, analyzing various forms of energy development has told me is that all forms of energy have impacts, no matter how affirmative uh, the intention is around renewables, renewable energy can still have impacts. In fact, um, work that my colleagues have been doing around the organization and around the world indicates that um, Energy development is a leading source of land use conversion in the United States and in many places around the globe. So this is something that we really need to get right and we take it very seriously. Um, but this tension, this desire to have both development and conservation creates something that some analysts call a polarity. And I'm gonna spend a moment to talk about this because we are in a very polarized world. And I think it's very important to clarify what it means to really be for renewable energy development and for conservation. So conservation is great. Conservation is a way that we get access to great places to recreate, to conserve wildlife and wildlife habitat. Conservation protects water quality. It protects really cool critters um, that we can uh, enjoy, um, that we can support, that we can conserve. Conservation is great. Renewable energy development is also great. And it helps us avoid some of the worst impacts of climate change and also is something that many communities are looking to as an economic opportunity as we transition into a new era beyond fossil fuels. Um, so conservation is great, but if we focus too much on conservation, we're going to miss some of these economic development opportunities and also miss some of those opportunities to avert the worst impacts of climate change. And if we focus too much on renewables to the exclusion of conservation, we're going to risk losing some important agricultural lands, forestal lands, wildlife habitats, and also allow water quality degradation, which is not a desirable outcome for anybody. So my point here for all of us is to think about not renewables versus conservation, but to think about let's avoid the downsides of 
focusing too much on either and really emphasize the upsides of both. Um, so I wanna put some uh, concrete, um, it's not really concrete actually, uh, but I wanna put some visuals around what that looks like. So to get to that, um, we created this super, I call it the super simple solar model. So my colleagues at the Nature Conservancy have done some very deep, very sophisticated models around scenario planning for renewable energy development. This is not one of them. This is a much more simple model. And we made it simple because we wanted to be able to roll it out fairly quickly. And we wanted to, um, we didn't want to build something unless we had a real user for it and real end user for it. So um, we can we can ramp this up um, if there's interest. But we looked at a couple different variables that really drive where renewables get developed, um, relatively flat, uh, distance to transmission, uh, land cover, um, so avoiding uh, urbanized and developed land, um, and contiguous area. So a site has to be large enough to support a viable number of megawatts. And so we assume about 10 acres per megawatt. So we looked at sites that were, um, could support uh, facilities three megawatts or less and 10 megawatts or less. And we use those, I, I would like to tweak that lower boundary, but basically what we're seeing is that we have sites five megawatts and less, and then we have some large sites that are happening. So our choice of area reflects what we're seeing in terms of development. A couple obvious omissions. I won't go into this a lot today because of time, but we didn't talk about transmission capacity. We can certainly do that. Time, it just is just a matter of time and money. And we didn't really talk about land price because it's complicated to tease out where the breakpoints are for that. So getting right down to this, how much potentially solar suitable land is in Virginia? Well, our model found that we have about 8.7 million acres of potentially suitable solar land in the Commonwealth. And we validated that model um, looking at site, uh, projects that are in the PJMQ. And what we found is that out of 118 projects in the PJMQ, 108 or 91.5% um, fall within our uh, potentially solar suitable area. So some, simple as it is, it seems to be a pretty good fit. So the next question is, uh, where are the important conservation lands and how do those intersect with this potentially solar suitable area? Um, we use the Conserve Virginia layer, happy to talk more about that in the future, but we used it because it covers the entire Commonwealth and it identifies seven conservation subsets that represent um, things that are important to a variety of stakeholders. So whereas the Nature Conservancy's primary concern are natural lands that support wildlife resources and resiliency in the face of climate change, other stakeholders have other concerns and we knew it was important to reflect those in order to get an accurate depiction of what conflict looks like. So when we overlay those two things, what did we find? Well, we found about 2.2 million acres of this Conserve Virginia layer intersect the potentially um, solar suitable land. Um, and that comes out to about 25%. So that leaves us a lot of land. So let me just recap those numbers for you. So potentially solar, solar suitable land in Virginia is about 8.7 million acres. Important for conservation that intersects with that is about 2.2 million acres. And that means possibly developable lands of about 6.4 million acres. Now we don't have a target for solar in Virginia, so I can't measure that against a target, but just roughly, super roughly speaking, the Virginia Clean Economy Act finds 16,000 um, megawatts to be in, well, 16,100 megawatts to be in the public interest. And that equates to roughly um, 161,000 acres. 
So let me just tweak this a little bit. So we know our solar model is wrong. It probably overestimates the area that's truly available. And we know that our conservation model is wrong and it probably underestimates the area. So let's just slice that possibly developable number in half, just to be really conservative. And then let's say, well, we don't really know how much land-based solar we need, but let's just really ramp that up to some crazy high number of um, 300,000 acres what we can see is that we have 10 times the amount of area that is potentially solar suitable than we think it's reasonable to assume that we need for solar. And even if we, so we have a lot of room to move. And our conclusion is that the conflict between renewable energy development and land conservation is a solvable problem. And that is the big takeaway I want to give with you, share with you from my talk today. Um, Briefly, I want to say, I know we're talking a lot about opportunities for solar on degraded lands, and we wanted to be able to tell you quantitatively how much uh, opportunity there is available on degraded lands. And another takeaway I want you to have is that we can't do that yet, because the data on where degraded lands are, the shape of them, the size of them, what's on them now, doesn't exist right now. A very solvable problem also in and of itself, but a critical next step as we're moving forward. Now I'm going to pivot in my last couple of minutes to a conversation about some lands that we're working on in Southwest Virginia and what we're trying to do here. So the Nature Conservancy, as a land conservation organization, we recently protected 250,000 acres in Southwest Virginia, um, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Um, and those lands are depicted on this map in orange and in red. And we did this um, using a novel tool for us. It's an actually impact investing tool. So we have some straight philanthropic dollars, but we also have some investor dollars. And we need to provide a return on investment for those impact investors on the lands that they've helped us conserve. So we're looking for uh, ecologically compatible ways to derive income from these lands to help fund that, um, that investor return. And of course, in addition to our conservation goals, we are also wanting to benefit the surrounding community. So super briefly, um, we decided that solar energy could be a really good fit for this property, which contains a number of reclaimed and actually active mined lands. Um, and so we undertook a very scaled down version of the analysis I just showed you just for this one property. And this is the Virginia portion, but you can see here on the map, um, we have areas that we have no interest in developing for solar. Their highest and best use in our portfolio is for a strict conservation purpose. And we have areas that we think are just perfect for solar. And those areas are represented in green on the map. And we have some in yellow where we're like, eh, we're not sure. Like maybe, maybe it could work out here. Maybe it can't. So our next step was to seek out um, some partners to work with us on this project. And we have done that. We have actually completed an RFT, RFP process. We're working with a few developers to ink um, options on this property, but we're really excited to be moving ahead and figuring out how can we um, create a great example for development of previously mined lands um, that is beneficial to the community and underscores these conservation values. So we're going to be learning right along with you. Uh, Dan, I think I'm at the end of my time, so that's all I really had to say, but let me just remind you again of this key takeaway. Virginia can meet its renewable energy goals without converting important natural lands, and all we need is the will to do that. Thanks, Judy. Dynamite stuff. Uh, brilliant. Thank you so much, and uh, you know, Albert Einstein, personal hero of mine, so uh, I appreciate that and the beautiful pictures and really all the work that you're doing. Uh, certainly your takeaway for me, one of, one of the takeaways is you know, developing this inventory as a next step, actually, you know, starting the due diligence, 
Uh, that's what the end of the beginning means to me. You can't scale unless you uh, can actually get your, your arms around this stuff and get to the closing table and everything else. Uh, so thanks so much uh, for monitoring the space, measuring it as you guys do and all the resources that you have. If you're not familiar with the work that they're doing at the Nature Conservancy and have been doing for the planet for a long time, you know, we're not starting from scratch here. You've been listening to the Virginia Solar Summit live stream and podcast brought to you by Dominion Energy and Mission Disposal. Special thanks again to our special guest, Miss Judy Dunscombe from the Nature Conservancy. Learn more on their website, nature.org. On the next episode, we get back to live discussion with special guest Dr. Brian Anderson, recently appointed by President Biden to lead the new interagency working group on coal and power plant communities and economic revitalization, which has leveraged 12 agencies of government and billions of dollars to help our legacy energy communities transition and pivot to our new energy future. Plug into the Renaissance on our website, virginiasolarsummit.com. And remember, the future's as bright as we build it. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed.